1 John chapter 2. I'm continuing a message that I started Wednesday night when I talked about love not the world. Okay? Wednesday was titled Love Not the World. Tristan, are you awake? All right, good. Just making sure. Love not the world. Okay, and we, we went in depth of what that meant to not love the world. We, we parsed this text out. We understood that he was talking about if any man loves this world system, the worldly system of sin. We talked about the lust of the flesh. We talked about the lust of the eye and the pride of life. Amen. Now, tonight, I'm not re-preaching this same sermon. Can I get a praise the Lord? <laughs> Not preaching the same sermon, but I'm preaching tonight. I'm titling tonight, What Does It Look Like to Not Love the World? Amen. What does that look like? Okay, because we're here told not to love the lusts of the flesh. We're here told not to love the lusts of the eye. We're here told not to love the pride of life. Now, if you would indulge me just for a moment, I want to go and find the fruits of the Spirit, okay? And I believe it's in Galatians, right? So we're going to go to Galatians, and we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. And there's a reason I'm doing this, okay? There is a absolute reason for doing this. I believe it's chapter 5. Uh, now I want you to start with me before we get to the fruits of the Spirit. I want you to start with me at verse 16. Okay, We're going to start at chapter 5 verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Somebody say, don't fulfill them. How do you not fulfill the lusts of the flesh? See, because now we're getting down to what does it mean to not love the world, to not love the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. That's what we talked about this past Wednesday in not loving the world. Here it says that you need to walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So here we have at least one remedy. Amen. For what it would take to not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Now why? For the flesh lusteth against the spirit. And the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. Now watch this. I want you to catch this. Okay. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. What does that manifest mean? Anybody understand 
the word manifest. What's the ESV say? He didn't. Verse 19. Evident. That word manifest means to be made known, to be revealed, okay? So they're evident. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, sedition, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, such the like, of which I told you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now this list is exhaustive, and we have went through this list in this church before, okay? But there's several things in this list that if you were to lay out, if you were to look at in, 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 pure, uh, uh, in, in the pure light of their meaning, okay, fornication, adultery. People are like, well, I haven't committed fornication. I haven't committed adultery. Are you sure? Exactly. Have you thought about it? I mean, is it even an inclination in your mind? Because Jesus said if a man looks after a woman to lust after her, he has committed adultery with her in his heart. Amen? Tristan, you got a Bible? You want to come up here and set uh, where you can, I can see you're looking at your Bible and following along here because there's important information here that I want you to understand too. If I can't help if I can't have my children learning, then I'm probably doing it wrong anyway, okay? Adultery is not just the act. Jesus said so. He said, if I lust after a woman in my heart to have her, okay? Do you understand? That's fornication if you're not married to the woman. And if you're married, it's adultery. You see that? Fornication is sex outside of the bonds of marriage. Okay? That's just shacking up in the house and having sex. That's fornication. Adultery is a married person having sex with anybody else besides their spouse. And Jesus said these can be accomplished just by the mere intention or the thought of the heart to do the thing. You've already committed adultery with her in your heart. Jesus' own words. Amen. Now how about this? If I hate my brother without cause, I'm a murderer. So a lot of people, when they read this list, they go, oh, this list isn't talking about me. But the problem is, if I entertain the, the lusts of the flesh, if I entertain the lusts of the eye, if I entertain the pride of life, this very well could be me, and very well is me, even if it isn't acted out physically, it is probably going on mentally or spiritually. But we're so quick to say, oh, that's not me. Well, let me read another set of virtues that's probably not you either. <laughs> but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, 
joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Wow. Now watch this. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So those that are in Christ have crucified the affections and lusts. Now I got a pretty good idea that in the ESV where it says faith in the King James, the ESV says faithfulness, right? Through the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, right? Faithfulness. Now, you can't have faith in Christ without faithfulness, okay? I want to get this across because you got to understand faith in Christ is not merely mentally believing something, okay? Neither is faith in Christ merely believing something alone because we know, according to James, that faith without works is dead being alone. So the only kind of saving faith is a faith that produces action on the part of the Christian that causes faithfulness, that causes perseverance, long-suffering. Come on, somebody. You know, everybody's so quick when they get in church now. Oh, if I don't get what I think I want when I get there, I'm just out of here. And, oh, I didn't get anything when I went to that church. And I didn't get anything when that preacher was preaching. But guess what? Did you even set longer than five minutes to actually listen to a doctrine, to really examine yourself, to see if, if what he was saying was something that you needed to hear? Or did you only want things that tickled your ear? And made you get goosebumps. And made you want to jump and shout hallelujah. I'm telling you right now. The revival that this country needs. The revival that this church needs. Is not the kind that makes us jump and shout. Roll on the floors. It's the kind that causes us to go. Oh woe is me. What a wretched man am I. And come to the altar. And really pour ourselves out to God. And really go out and live a Christian life that looks like Christ, that's changed by Christ, and led by Christ. Amen. That's the kind of life that is not loving the world or the things of the world. That's the kind of life that's not running after the lusts of the flesh and the lusts of the eye and the prides of life. Amen? I want to read uncleanness. Do you understand that uncleanness covers so many different kinds of sins? That it's just those little thoughts in the morning, you know, when your wife is watching you in bed and is probably thinking, you know, I got a hammer in there. <laughs> or, or even when your kids are on your nerves to the point that you're just like, gosh, I just want to Homer Simpson him. Or kids, your parents have gotten on your nerves to the point that you're just thinking, I know how to make dynamite and stuff. I can. These guys don't understand. I got YouTube and 
ticky-tack and talkity-tick and all these things that can teach me how to make their life miserable, right? Like you're thinking of ways to get back at your parents. Look, look, bro, they've already got the idea. They already know all this stuff, and they know I'm telling the truth, that they get so frustrated with their parents sometimes that all they want to do is strangle them too. And we all struggle with these things, and they're all part of our fallen nature that cause us to fight and war and strive. I want you to notice that this list is very comprehensive. Lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresy. Do you know what sedition is? Anybody know what sedition is? Treason. Sedition is where you're inciting others to do ungodly things. Things that are against God's law. Okay? Things that are against the very kingdom of God. When you were labeled a traitor in the American war against England, when, in the War of Independence, okay? You were, if you were caught by English soldiers in America and you were inciting people to rise up against the mother country, you were charged with sedition. It's treason. That's what you were charged with. So those who come in the church or come in your life and they are call calling to you, crying out to you to, to do anything and everything that would be against God's law, against God's kingdom, against his will, that's sedition. You see how comprehensive these things are? Heresies. Oh no, we we're not supposed to talk about heresies. Paul said anybody practicing heresies is not going to make it to heaven. Pretty serious stuff, right? But what is the fruit of the Spirit? Love. What kind of love? Is that the kind of love that only loves people who love me? Or is it the godly love, that Yahweh, that, 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 that agape love that loves their enemy and loves and prays for them that despitefully use and persecute them? How about loving those who've abandoned us? Amen. Maybe this is our test. See what fruit we have. Joy. <laughs> My brethren, count it all joy when you meet various trials, temptations. Count it all joy. That's what we're told. That's hard to do sometimes, ain't it? Peace. Long-suffering or patience. Long-suffering is an old English way of saying patience. Gentleness, goodness, faith. We talked about it. Faith, you can't have faith without faithfulness. Meekness, temperance. Temperance, self-control. Amen? 
you know, well, why is the modern church seem so out of control, yet the Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Paul said that he would, that every one of us would know how to possess our own soul. That we would know how to possess our own vessel. Amen? Why? Because the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. This is what it looks like. Let's get another glimpse of what it looks like to, to not love the world and not love the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. Turn with me, if you will, to Galatians chapter 2. Kyle's already preached on this, so it's safe ground now. I can re-preach it. <laughs> once, once I went past John 5, Kyle, it was all yours. That's <laughs> oh, just a joke between us. Verse 20 of chapter 2 of Galatians. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness came by the law, then Christ died for nothing. Let me tell you something. Paul absolutely is not advocating that we just ignore God's law. What he's telling us is a dead man who's dead in Christ doesn't live any longer to please a statute of the law. They live to please Christ. They live to glorify Christ. They live to make their life a living example of what it looks like to live for Christ and that's when God takes a stony heart out of a dead, lifeless chest and he puts in a heart of flesh and he says, I will cause you to walk in my ways and to obey my statutes. He didn't say, I'm going to take my statutes and my laws and I'm going to discard them. He said, I'm going to cause you to follow them. How does this happen? They that are led of the Spirit will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Amen? Being led of the Spirit, being crucified with Christ. When we understand, when I wake up on a Sunday morning and, and I, oh, I don't feel like going there. Ah, you know, and maybe I just got off work and it's Sunday morning and all I want to do is go to bed. Everybody has that same problem. If you think that me and Kyle or Carmen or Mike don't wake up on a Sunday morning and go, you know, I could really sleep right now. Everybody in this room would have been asleep till 9 or 10 o'clock today if we could have, at least. Amen? Especially Mike, since even though he's, uh, you know, old now, he stays up really late. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh. I was trying to get you on being old, but you wouldn't let me. Okay, I get it. So we talked about 
Galatians 2 and 20. What do you got, Kyle? Go ahead. Say it real loud so that camera can get it, okay? Where where you at? First John one, first John five. Let's come come read that on camera, okay? Come read it on camera. Say it with the microphone so everybody can hear you, okay? First John, chapter five, verses one through three. It says, "Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God." And everyone that loveth him that be, that beget loveth him that is also begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and we keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. And as I said, I think the ESV translates that burdensome. They are not heavy because Christ bore them, Christ fulfilled them. We are no longer under law as a way of earning our righteousness. It has been fulfilled for us. The weight is off of us, and now we can obey them, not from the letter, but from the heart. Well, and and I want to say this, that if you keep reading 1 John, you're going to find out that we can't say we love God and hate our brother. We can't say that we love God and we're not willing to help our brother because then we're a liar and the truth is not in us. Amen. So I want to go to a familiar passage of scripture in Hebrews chapter 10. And I want to read this again. And we've read it over and over and over and over and over and over. But here's the thing. Especially today in our modern culture, we think that going to church or meeting together as a body is somehow optional. But the reality is, it's not optional when you understand that we have been called to a corporate faith, that we're all part of a body of Christ, that we all need each other, that this part needs that part, and that part needs this part. And if we don't have those things working together, that we're incomplete and not perfect, which is the goal. His goal is that for God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the edification of the saints, for the building up of the body, that they might become perfect, attaining unto the full measure of God. This is the plan. This is the goal that the church of God come together and be one body and represent Christ. Therefore, building up, maturing cannot happen outside of this confine. Now watch this. We're going to read verse 21 or 22 of chapter 10 of Hebrews. We're going to start right there. It says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil consciences and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us 
I want to emphasize the us, let us, it does not say let me. It does not say let me hold fast to the profession of my faith. That is not the translation. That is not the Greek words being used there. It is always a, uh, 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 a plural. It is always in the plural form. The church in, in all of the New Testament is never talked about in the singular. It's always talked about in the plural. Okay? So you cannot take this plural statement and simply boil it down to a personal statement and, and, and drag this verse out of context that in which it's being written, okay? So let us draw near with true hearts in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised and let us, us, us consider one another to provoke unto love and unto good works. What does it say? I want you to understand that verse 25 is not separate from verse 24. Verse 24 and 25 are one full thought, okay? He says, and let us consider one another, provoking unto love and unto good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as ye see the day approach. Amen? Now here we see several things that are mentioned, us, our faith. What is the profession of their faith? What do you think he's talking about? What do you think this idea of not forsaking the gathering together of themselves is the custom of some? What do you think he's talking about our profession of faith? Because most of the time when we talk about that, we talk about my, personally, my profession of faith, not our profession of faith. But that's the words used here. Our profession of faith. Turn with me to Acts 2. And this should be very clear when we read this now. That this absolutely the writer of Hebrews understands that the Acts chapter 2. The writer of Hebrews absolutely understands the apostles doctrine. The way in which the apostles met, worshipped, fellowshiped, and lived their lives. Okay? Acts 2. Before we get to Acts 2, I want to just remind you of one thing from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 where it tells us that we're to consider one another, provoke one another in, in verse 24. But 23 says that let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. What is our faith? What is that faith that we're holding on to? 
Everybody goes, oh, it's Christ. Yes, that's true. But anybody after the apostles didn't devote themselves solely in the way that we're thinking just to Christ and him by himself and devoid of each other. Okay? The reason the writer of Hebrews is saying this is because some people have begun to forsake the assembling together of themselves. And he's trying to drive home the point that this is our faith, our Lord. Why? Because we are one body. Okay? We're not individual bodies. We're one body. Amen? Now watch this. What faith are they talking about? And they continued steadfastly, verse 42 of chapter 2 of Acts. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Whose doctrine? The apostles' doctrine. Now, why is it specifically saying the apostles' doctrine? Because <coughs> Jesus came and preached the gospel, but the apostles are the ones who laid the groundworks for the church in how the church was going to operate. How our Christian faith looked. What it consisted of. Okay? So number one, they were surrounded by, they, they devoted themselves. They, they, uh, they continued steadfastly. The ESV says they devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine or teaching. And to fellowship. What fellowship? Christian fellowship. When you read the Apostles' Creed, now you don't have this in your Bible, but I got it in mine and I'm going to read it to you, okay? And I want to read it to you for one specific reason. This has been church understanding. This has been a doctrine of the church for centuries, okay? This Apostles' Creed is the very foundation of all modern Christian doctrine, okay? This is it. The Apostles' Creed says this, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. I believe in the saints' communion. Amen? The communion of the saints. What is that? Do you understand that every time the church had fellowship, they broke bread and ate of the Lord's table? Why? Because as often as they do it, they were remembering the death of the Lord until he comes. Do you understand that this fellowship is a special bond that the communion of the saints is a special, godly, God-ordained means of grace that we have. 
Amen? That's being utterly neglected. I believe in the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. So when we go back to Acts chapter 2 and we read this, you understand that they continued steadfastly. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them out to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily. I want you to note that. They continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house and did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as would be saved. What is the faith that they believed in? They believed in Jesus Christ, the one and only Son of God. They believed in the apostles' doctrine. They believed in the saints' communion, in the fellowship of the saints. Amen? What does it look like not to fulfill the lust of the flesh? Well, a, a pretty good indication that you're not trying to fulfill the lust of the flesh is that you're in your Bible more than you're talking about other people. Or you're in your prayer closet more than you're out there uh, 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 rebuking other people and, and talking bad about other people. Remember what the lusts of the flesh are? Galatians, Galatians chapter 5 says... That lasciviousness, wrath, hatred, spite, uh, uh, oh, can't remember the other word. Those are lusts of the flesh. So how do I avoid the lusts of the flesh? How do I build myself up? How do I edify myself? Well, the truth is you can't do all the work of edifying yourself. Amen? Number one, you need the Spirit's help. We know that to be a fact. If you want anyone who uh, keeps, if you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh, right? That's what Galatians says. If you walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, that's one remedy. The second remedy is this. I need admonishment and edification from other Christians. That's what it says. The body, he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the edifying of the church. And then in Hebrews, he tells us to edify or build one another up, to admonish one another. How do I do that? Well, it's obviously done in the fellowship or the communion of the saints. I need church. And church, the, the people at church need me. Why? Because Iron sharpens iron. Amen. And each part of the body of Christ must do its own part. Let us not neglect the meeting together as is the custom of some, but all the much more. But admonishing one another all the much more as we see the day approach. This is what it looks like to not love the world. Why do most people not come to church? What kind of excuses have we heard about why people don't come to church? 
I got a job. I had to work. I'm, I'm tired. I'm not feeling very well. Now, if they're genuinely sick, I understand. But if all you got is a tummy ache, look, I've had a tummy ache for two days and I'm here. And I preach two messages. The reality is the flesh lusts and wars against the spirit. And any victory that I give my flesh, I am doing harm to my spirit. I am, if I am not killing sin, sin is killing me. If I am not actively seeking God, actively praying, actively reading my Bible, actively coming and being part of God's fellowship of saints, if I'm not coming to be involved with what the church of the living God is doing in this earth, if I am not coming to serve God and to serve other people, if I am only about my own business, if I'm only about my own bank account, my own family, my own life, and I'm never involved or worried about God's kingdom whatsoever, I cannot claim that I love God's people. And he that hates the church hates God. He that despises the church despises God. He that is un who has no love for fellow believers has no love for God. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they uh, 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 claim. The fact of the matter is it's in your doing. James makes that very clear, that if I see my brother in need, and all I say to him is, be filled, and I'm praying for you. But I don't give him those things that he has need of. How have I actually helped him? How has the love of God been shown in me? It hasn't. Why? Because I can't say I love God and despise my brother. It cannot happen. How can you say you love God who you can't see when you don't love your brother whom you can see? What does it look like not to fulfill the lusts of the flesh? What does it look like not to love the world? Well, it obviously looks like being crucified with Christ and my life glorifying Christ in every single way that Christ has come and poured out in his scriptures that we should do and serve others to love God and love people to do for the least of them to pray for my enemies to do good to them that hate me to, to work and do the work of the kingdom while we're here that's what it looks like to not love the world that's what it looks like to not love the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eye and the pride of life. That's what it looks like. But so many Christians, all they really want is to feel good for about 30 minutes on Sunday. If you're lucky, they'll show up for that. But what we really have is a bunch of people who say, yes, Lord. But they never go into the father's field. Jesus told a parable of two sons. And I'm going to end with this. 
Jesus told a parable of two sons. And he said, he went to the first son and he said, son, go work in my, uh, 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 go work in the field today. And the son said, no, I'm not doing it. But later on, he thought better of it and he went out into the field and he worked in his father's field. And he come to the second son and he said, son, go into my field today and work. And the son said, yes, I'll go. But he never went. You see, I have a sneaking suspicion that people think that it's always the yes people. And oh yeah, I believe. Oh yeah, I believe. But the, the believing without the persevering shows that the believing wasn't true believing. You understand, Jesus said, only those who persevere to the end, the same shall be saved. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into my kingdom. Why? Because there's going to be a whole lot of people that told God yes, but never went and done anything. There, there's a whole lot of people who said yes, God, but never did it produce any fruit. There's going to be a whole bunch of people like those. And the story Jesus was telling was about the publicans and the harlots. He said to the Pharisees, he said, John the Baptist came to you preaching the kingdom of God. And, and you didn't believe him, but the publicans and the harlots, they believed him. And he said, even when you saw that they came and was baptizing John, even then, even when you saw it, you would not repent and believe. You see, those who say, yes, Lord, and don't live for the Lord, I'm very worried about. I'm very scared for. Because it's those people I'm afraid that are going to stand on the day of judgment and hear, I never knew you. Because true faith produces fruit. Saving faith is never alone. Saving faith never fails to bring fruit to the tree. Ever. Can't show me anywhere in this Bible where Jesus taught that it did. Not anywhere. Church, I'm praying for our church. I'm praying for other churches. We need a revival of people who understand what it looks like not to love the world. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening, Lord. We thank you for the word that you have imparted to us. Lord, we thank you for your scriptures. We thank you, God, that your word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, able to divide the soul and the spirit, the bone and the marrow, and the thoughts and the intents of our heart. Lord, where we have come to your word and we have found places that where we are lacking, God, we pray for your grace and your mercy. We pray that your spirit would mold us, change us, shape us into the image of Christ. That we might be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto you, which is our reasonable service. Help us, God, to not love the world. And teach us what it means not to love the world. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen and amen.